Welcome to Home of the Brave. I'm Scott Carrier. My daughter, Jessie, is sick. She's been sick for more than a month. She got a test and it came back negative, but she's still sick with COVID-like symptoms and she's alone, a long way from home. She's 34, living in the Bay Area, working for a tech company as a recruiter. But she's had to take some time off lately because she's been sick. And now she's worried she might get laid off for not meeting her production goals. I don't care so much if she loses her job. I just don't like that she's alone. I Right now, I feel... Um... Most of my symptoms are gone except fatigue. I feel really tired all the time. And if I could guess what's going on in my body, my immune system is really is not very strong right now. Yeah. And I think one of the reasons that I am still sick is because once I started feeling better, I started going for bike rides and going for walks and exercising a lot and just trying to go back into my normal life and I think I just didn't have the I couldn't do it I couldn't sustain it but um it feels very strange because even though my symptoms were mild it felt like it was really deep inside my body Is uh, it? and I haven't I haven't felt this type it's the kind of exhaustion that I remember like vaguely remember the feeling when I had mono when I was 12 or something so any new kind of emotions or things like, oh, I haven't felt like this before? I think what I'm grappling with right now is how I don't know what's going to happen. There's a lot of legitimate anxiety and fear around things not going well like the you know the system's meant to help us and protect us failing or you not being set up to help us in the first place like not being able to access medical care or you know losing your job and unemployment being impossible to access so I think yeah and then and then also just a lot of really contradicting People have said this a lot, but that there's no, we don't have a central authority here. I mean, that's the the main thing that I'm feeling right now is just like completely confused about what the right thing to do is and kind of, and just exhausted by it. I don't know. It's like, I think before all of this, it was easier to sometimes move through society and think about what we had in common but now it feels like the differences between people are just there's so many of them and it's so stark like class differences ideological differences you know there's so many ways for somebody to make a decision around this situation that sets them apart from somebody else yeah it just makes me think you should take a break I could come get you I, mean, I can't. I can't take a break. If I don't stick this out and make it through, then where does that leave me? You know? What do I do? Yeah. Things just feel very fractured right now.
My son, Milo, age 32, has pretty much always wanted to open his own restaurant. Last year, he pulled things together. He found a location, an old restaurant where the owner was retiring. He wrote a business plan and made drawings of what he had in mind. Then he found a group of investors to put together quite a bit of money. In January, he started renovating the space, working alongside the contractors, hoping to open June 1st. Yeah. All right, so we're here in your restaurant, the place you've been remodeling to make a new restaurant. You pretty much gutted the place. You took out everything in the kitchen, including the floor. Yep. You went, put a new ceiling, new walls, new stoves, ovens, dishwashers, coolers. What else? Kind of changed the, the layout from, of the old restaurant, uh, opened it up. Tore opened the, it up yeah. so the people in the dining area can look into the kitchen, right. see everything. Yep. Uh, and the space was, well, I think the, the building is really nice. It was definitely in need of a, an update. So when the shit hit the fan or whatever, mm -hmm. it got serious, did you think, oh, I'm doomed, all is lost? Or do you remember how you felt at that time? It was, I don't know, I've had a lot of anxiety about it. Um, I guess the amount of planning and, and thought and just work that has gone into getting this to happen and then seeing this kind of perfect storm or, or just really serious set of circumstances starting to play out what seemed like so quickly. Uh, January, February, it wasn't even on my register. I, I didn't, didn't concern me. I, get, I guess the worry was kind of tempered by the fact that it was a circumstance that was completely out of my control and I really don't, didn't see any other option but to continue. Um, I, I never questioned, I guess, whether or not we would keep going or keep working on the space. It's almost kind of a fear that I can't really access because it's just, it doesn't seem like an option. I guess it, it, it could happen. It's a very real. What could happen? That it, we could fail, that we could go out of business. So um, tell me like how that would happen, the worst case scenario. The worst case scenario would be that we open and the public isn't really ready to go out and, and be in a public space with groups of people. Um, the, the margins, the profit margins in restaurants are, are so small, you really rely on, on volume and basically counting on, on being pretty close to capacity most nights. And if that doesn't happen, then yeah, I don't have a ton of cash on hand to just float you know, lose money. I basically have to make money from day one. And to have these people that were so willing to support the operation and invest in the business, it's almost unimaginable to think about having to explain to them that it didn't work out. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't feel like that's going to happen. So in the reverse, 
the, instead of the worst case scenario, what would you, in your mind, what do you want to have happen or what would you like it to be like? I want the people that come into the restaurant to feel taken care of and also enticed by the products that we offer where the experience is kind of like a dialogue between myself, my staff, and, and those that we're sharing the space with. But, you know, a lot of it, it's not a, it's an intangible quality that is or isn't. And, and restaurants, I, I really like going out to restaurants where the, those pieces come together and, and it's observable. You can kind of feel the, the, the spirit or the kind of the, the heart of the, of the operation. Uh, I think that kind of goes past just the commerce of, of selling food. How do you feel about being able to accomplish that? Uh, yeah, I think I can do it. You know, it's important to be flexible and, and, and try to just stay nimble. I'm not set on, on having it be the thing that I tried to describe in the business plan that I wrote. Uh, I th that would be, that's the goal. But if it, if it changes or if it's forced to kind of shape into something else, at least temporarily, then that's okay as well. My daughter, Alice, 29, is a ceramic artist who's been living in Minneapolis, working as an artist in residence for Northern Clay and living in a house with four friends, sort of a gang of artists, all of whom lost their jobs once the virus hit. They decided to stay put, shelter in place, and work through the problems together. But after two and a half months, Alice decided to take a break and drove back home to Salt Lake. We went for a drive up the canyon. Towards the beginning of this, it felt like a chance to kind of like really come together, like cooking a lot of meals together and feeling like energy to share this experience together and kind of support each other in that way. Towards the end before I left, before I drove to Salt Lake, um, it felt like very individualized and everybody having um, dealing with it on their own rather than all of us together because I think everyone is just like everyone is having a really hard time so it's like how do you support each other when everybody is depressed and sad and it feels really exhausting to continue talking about it especially when we have so much time to, to talk that's what you talk about yeah it's just like talking and talking things out and a lot of the conversations were like trying to decide if like what was safe what risks were were we willing to take or like is it safe to go to the post office and within a group of five people having different opinions of that that conversation could last like two hours um or like is it safe for one of my roommates to hang out with her boyfriend who she doesn't live with and that could result in like a three-hour conversation because it's it's everybody feeling stressed about it and, and there not being a concrete understanding of what uh, what happens if you take these risks or like will you get sick maybe you won't get I don't know it's just the energy really declined and that's I think it's very understandable because it's just it feels like a really hard time right now well how do you feel since you've been back in Salt Lake 
the past like three days? I feel um, it feels better just in terms of like missing my family during a period of, of like in a pandemic. It's like you want to be around people that you you really love and and I and I I love my roommates so much and but I think it was really helpful to be in Salt Lake and have a little bit more freedom as far as moving around and well how do you feel about like the next week or the next month what are like the rest of your life has that changed like the feelings for your plans for I mean I think I think just loss of purpose is is like a big big effect of this you felt like that yeah, absolutely. And you were you think you were depressed? Yeah, I mean I think that I still am and and I think that mental like the the mental health aspect of this feels really scary to me and like how? I just feel like there is when I think about before all of this happened I felt personally that I was doing really well mentally and like uh, felt like I had a purpose in the ceramics residency that I was I was in and felt like things were like kind of clicking and, and progressing and it's like as an artist I felt like I was really on track with something and losing that sense of like purpose it just has really plummeted like when I think about the even making artwork it just feels kind of pointless like making visual art in a time where like no one can really collect like collect anywhere a lot of these galleries small galleries that would show my work or would be a support system for me probably maybe can't exist anymore it's just like all of those things are closed and I don't know if they're going to come back and it's like just trying to reconsider what the what my what my purpose is and um I don't really know. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. And I just feel, I think I had so much expectations for myself as far as like, uh, like I had decided that this was by 30. Once I turned 30, I was going to have so many things figured out. But it is something that I have to remind myself daily, like multiple times a day to just relax and try to recognize that it's not, um, this is not a forever thing. Hopefully, not forever. Try to relax. Yeah, because it's just stressing about it in in the way that I have been, or or I catch myself stressing about it is not productive, and I just you just have to kind of take it day by day. My brother Dave, sixty four, is a vertebrate morphologist in the biology department at the University of Utah. He teaches and does research about how animals run and fight. His current experiment involving humans running on a treadmill has been put on hold, which is okay by him. He hasn't even been going into his lab to work because he believes in science and the science says self-isolation, testing, and quarantine are our social responsibilities. He's been talking with his colleagues about what the university should do for fall semester, and he's in favor of closing it down. I was just, I was just talking to uh, colleagues in my department, and uh, 
there's, you know, there's a variety of views about what we need to do. But I, I would like to see the university just shut down for a semester or two. I mean, we're not, universities are, are essential in the long run, but people are not going to be hurt, students are not going to be hurt that much if they have to take a semester off or two semesters off if there's a delay. So when you said that you'd like to see no classes to shut down, what was the response? Uh, people sort of scoff at that idea. So of, of, of shutting the university down Why? completely. Uh, they think, I mean, there is a concern about the university just basically going belly up, going bankrupt, because we depend to a large extent on tuition dollars to keep the place working. And probably a lot of people would have to be laid off, at least temporarily. But you're concerned about the spread. Yeah, I'm concerned about the spread. And it's... it's uh, I'm, I'm frustrated that this country's had a response that's been so ineffective. Other countries have done a much better job, and I, it's frustrating that we can't follow that example. It's, it's embarrassing and frustrating. Well, what do you think about the people going back to work now? Uh, I think if we had to social distance for a year and a half, it'd be horrible, right? That's not sustainable. And this is the frustrating part for me, is that in six to eight weeks, we could be in the situation that New Zealand or China or South Korea are in, where we've basically wiped new cases away. There are no new cases or next to no new cases. We could do that. If we, even if we started next week, by August, it would be gone. It would literally be gone. And the economy could open and people could go back to school and... The country could come back. We could go to restaurants. We could go to bars. We could go to ski resorts, right? All those things. We could go to campuses and have normal classes, and we could do it. But but what? But we're not. Why? We're, why I do don't know why. I mean, I, I literally, I, I literally have. I I don't know why. I don't know why, why why we can't even have the conversation. I don't think we're. At, going to be able to do it because there's too much of an argument, too much hatred yes, and fear. Yes, 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 yeah. I mean, I think the system's broken at the upper levels like that. We, no. can, we literally can't work together. We used to be able, this country used to be able to do things like fight wars, right? When we were born, we grew up after World War II, everybody believed that this country could do anything. And at this point, I feel like this country can't do anything at all, right? We just can't. Do you feel so, like moving out of the country? Uh, sometimes, yeah, sometimes. But I also feel like there's a responsibility, right? We have a responsibility to try to make things work. My mother, Barbara, called the other day and asked if I could come over and install a couple of smoke alarms in her house. She's just turned 90, lives alone, and twice, recently, she's fallen asleep with food on the stove. I was worried maybe too much isolation is not a good thing for her. The first thing I did was about three weeks ago, I put uh, eggs on the stove to hard boil and then forgot that they were there and went in to take a bath. And when I was finally coming out of the bathroom, I heard a funny noise and it turned out it was eggs exploding in my kitchen. 
But then this last time I had a big stock pot on making chicken broth. You have to kind of watch the stock pot and add water to keep the bones covered. And I, they were all covered and I thought everything was fine and I lay down for a little while and I fell asleep. And two hours later I woke up and the stock pot was practically dry and caked on the bottom. And I thought, well, I've done it again. This is serious. I really got to do something about replacing that smoke alarm. Was the house full of smoke that time? Oh, with the eggs, it was horrible. The house was a cloud of white smoke. But did that used to happen before this? Occasionally. Your memory a little bit? Yeah. Are you worried that maybe from staying home alone, that you're losing maybe a mental edge and that your memory is slipping. If staying isolated, staying alone so much might not be good for your mental health. Right. I do, I do worry about that, you know. Um, and I know that it's happening naturally to a certain extent. But what I'm noticing is that not going out and being with groups of people is kind of good for me because my hearing's so bad. It's very stressful for me now to be out trying to do things. And this slower lifestyle that's been brought on by the virus is, uh, I think, kind of beneficial to me. I don't feel stress at all. Have you talked to friends who say the same thing? No, I'm not calling anybody. No, because I can't hear over the phone. Very well. And I have to make people repeat. But, you know, I I don't worry about catching it. I, I don't want to get sick because I hate being sick. I hate pain. But on the other hand, there's going to be pain coming up in my life, probably. And so if this is the way, that's okay. You can, I'm going to go one way or the other in the next year or two or three so, could live to be over a hundred. You could live to be over a hundred. I know, and I don't want to, because I don't want to not be able to take care of myself. I don't want to have to leave my home and not be able to take care of my home and live here. I'm really happy here. So, um, so. Are you? How do you feel about dying or the possibility of death? You think about it more now or less now from the pandemic lockdown? I, it, it's it's with me all the time now. I think about it a lot, um, and it's just inevitable. And I've always said I just want to fall asleep and not wake up. I should be so lucky, but. I feel guilty that young people are dying, and I'm old, and it's it should be me and not them. You know, survivor guilt, I guess. I don't know. Really? Yeah. You're okay so far, being isolated and no one coming over so much. Actually, I, I'm actually I'm seeing more of my family than I usually do. No, really? Yes, I am, and I love it. <laughs> I'm getting more attention now. They call and check, and they come by. Uh, 
I haven't been coming by that yes, often. Yes, you have. <laughs> I've seen a lot more of you lately. <laughs> and it's wonderful. And I've got lots of reading I can do. And I'm... Because I don't have a lot of energy, the days go by very fast. I, you know, it's nice to get up in the morning and, and just not even get dressed until noon because you don't have to go anyplace. It's so different now, but it's what I need right now in my life. It's, it's natural, so it's good. So my mom is doing okay, and as long as she doesn't get sick, she's probably going to be the least affected by the virus pandemic. In my family, it's the young folk who are fucked. Things they thought were solid in their lives have become fluid. Things they thought were fluid have evaporated into the air. The ground is moving under their feet. I recorded these interviews a couple weeks ago, before George Floyd was killed by police in Minneapolis, and now the problems of my family seem unimportant. They're like from another era, except that most of the people protesting across the country and around the world are young people like my kids. Here in Salt Lake, there was a protest on Saturday. Almost all young people of mixed ethnicities. A police car was burned outside the public library, and the state capitol building was tagged, graffiti. The governor responded by calling out the National Guard, and the mayor put the city under a curfew because they're afraid of what young people might do. I think the protests are a good thing. I'm not fond of the Black Hawk helicopters circling the city, but I am in favor of burning police cars when police kill black people just for being black. It happens here, no charges are brought, and it can't go on. I'm gonna sit tight for another week or so, and then I'm gonna drive around the country talking to strangers. I wanna know what's happening out there, and I also want to see what we have left in the way of trust and kindness. I have a feeling that America may no longer be beautiful. I'd like to thank Christy Jones, Larry Massett, and Erica Heilman for helping out. And I'd like to say happy birthday to my mom, Barbara Carrier, who's always held my family together. Thanks very much for listening, and thanks for your support.